Hey everyone, this is Charlie Shrem, and you're listening to Untold Stories. This is a show where we dive deep into the lives and personal histories of some of crypto's most influential leaders and find out how the crypto movement truly came to be. Let's dive in. One of the largest companies in the EU based out of Vienna is Bitpanda.com. If you've been listening to the show, you probably know that they are sponsoring our show. Well, today I had the founders and co-CEOs, really cool, right? Like a company that has two CEOs of Bitpanda, Eric Demute and Paul Kleinschek on the show. It was really cool to talk about how do you actually run a company with two different CEOs? Are people buying Bitcoin and crypto right now with the whole coronavirus situation going on? The answers will surprise you. We talk about how any regulations that were able to be changed because of coronavirus maybe aren't regulations that should have been there in the first place, right? We talk about how their supply chain for gold is at risk because everyone is buying gold right now. People are paying over 30% commission in Europe buying gold and precious metals. It's kind of crazy. We talk about what's going on in Europe, in Vienna, in Austria during these crazy days of COVID-19. But then we also had some good conversations of light topics. And so this won't be a negative or sad talk by any means. In fact, all of my podcasts and talks I try to have, and I think we successfully do, uh, is very positive ones and like education with entertainment. So you're going to love this show, guys. I'll talk to you in a minute. Over the years, a lot of companies have tried doing crypto social networking. But the problem is that there are a lot of really good social networking apps already out there like Instagram, Facebook, Snapchat. How do we build a social network that's perfect for crypto? Well, I want to talk about Pepo. Pepo is an amazing social media app that's built for the crypto community. What's really cool about it is that you can get rewarded for uploading and putting out good content and you can also reward with crypto people who put up content that you really, really like. It's fast and simple, and it's the first crypto-powered app to be approved by the Apple and Google app stores. You can find me on Pepo right now at Charlie Shrem, the same handle as my Twitter, and I'm going to be posting interviews, travel videos, and more. So make sure you check out Pepo. It's super cool. Pepo.com. Enjoy it. You're a super loyal podcast listener, and you've been listening to my show for a while, so you know that Bitpanda which is a company based out of Austria, has been working with me for a few months now. And I'm a huge fan of Vienna and I'm a huge fan of Bitpanda. Let me tell you a little bit about them. Bitpanda is the leading European platform for investing in digital assets. Their core product is an easy to use crypto on-ramp and digital asset broker. They have over a million users, so you know they really care about their customers. What's amazing about Bitpanda is really how easy it is to set up an account and get going. They recently launched their own educational platform, and this is super cool, so check it out. Take a listen for a second, where you can learn all about Bitcoin and more. It's free, regularly updated, and you can earn five euro for free when you complete the quiz. So make sure you check it out, bitpanda.com. They are a big sponsor of ours, and please give them some love because they love me. Untold Stories wouldn't be here without the amazing production company, Blockworks Group. A few months ago, I approached Blockworks Group and I said, hey guys, I want to do a show, Untold Stories. Can we make it happen? And these guys are the only event and podcast production company that I trust. Really, the show is powered by them and it wouldn't be here today without the amazing work of the Blockworks Group team. So for access to all the premier digital asset conferences and to check out their other podcast in their network that they produce, check them out at blockworksgroup.io. That's blockworksgroup.io. I promise you will not be disappointed. I'm very excited for this episode because I've never done a two-person episode, um, and I rarely get to speak to people who run companies with two CEOs, and I'm actually very interested in learning more about like how this is run. So um, please give a round of applause. Well, you can't do that unless people are going to start like clapping in their cars, which Wayne, we don't want people clapping in their car. So don't give a round of applause to the co-CEOs of Bitpanda, one of my favorite companies in the world, Eric Demute and Paul Klanchek. Guys, thank you so much for coming on the show today. Great to be here. Thank you very much. Thank you for having us. And I have to say also thank you for for you know sponsoring the show and and really helping me make this uh happen the the mission and 
the purpose of like documenting and chronicling uh, crypto history while educating and entertaining at the same time. Because I know you guys believe this, um, but the best way to educate people is with entertainment. And, um, you know, I'll, I'll jump into this first. A lot of companies don't really focus on education. So they're just focusing on their business models. What is our business model? You spend a significant amount of your budgets and your time and efforts on not just, you know, marketing for your for your company, but marketing for um, crypto and Bitcoin as a whole. And in fact, you know, you have Bitpanda magazine, you've constantly blog posts, articles, you sponsor podcasts like mine. And then you had the famous, uh, huge, the global famous advertising campaign that you guys just did um, in London during Brexit, putting huge, you know, banner ads and doing uh, uh, crazy billboards and insane things like uh, talking about how Bitcoin and crypto are the future. Why do you, why did you guys do that? What tell me like where that idea came from? I mean, um, the, the exactly the, the Brexit thing, the campaign was more like a provoke, um, yeah, to provoke, yeah. And um, it wasn't really directly advertising, we weren't really talking about 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 Bitpanda or anything. Um, because it, it was a very indirect topic, because Brexit has a huge impact on a lot of things. And one is um, financial freedom. And um, I personally, I'm a proud European. I'm a big fan of the achievements of Europe. Um, this is a very diverse area with many, many different nationalities. Um, and the EU brought stability, peace, and um, economic stability. And um, Bitcoin is, for me, really financial freedom and it goes hand in hand and uh, this is why we why we suppose or provoked a little bit that uh, i mean we said um, millions of people can't be wrong except they are british so it was it was like a mix between um, saying okay millions of people that could mean in general the eu uh, european people or the, the 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 millions of people that voted against the Brexit in in the UK, or it can be uh, millions uh, in terms of our customer base. So it, we were playing a little bit uh, with that, and um, yeah. So, but uh, in general, education I think is very important because I think the once people are actually starting to understand digital currencies. They, they go down a rabbit hole. And I mean, mm. you of all people know exactly this. If you actually get the idea behind digital currencies and what the potential could be and everything, this opens up so many possibilities. And I think this is a beautiful thing. And we as a company who have the resources to do that, it would be a shame if we didn't do that. So last year, we also launched the Bitband Academy that really starts out with the basics. So what even is digital currency? What's a private key? What is a blockchain? What is a block, et cetera? What are miners? And there's so much information you actually need to, to get into this space. But once you have it, you, you open up so many other questions and then it's really an interesting time for most people. So I mean, I, I always said in interviews, never invest in anything you do not understand. And crypto in general is a very, very complicated topic if you haven't grown up in that space or if you're not super tech heavy. Um, the amount of information and the quality of information you get is overwhelming. And if, especially if you don't know, if you don't have a financial background, um, the economical part of it is also very, very hard for most people to understand. That means breaking it down. And that was the approach from the beginning because when we started Bitpanda, we said, I mean, we're in this in this industry for for a long time, but still, it is so unbelievable hard to buy crypto. How is this ever gonna be get, supposed to get mainstream if you don't give people the access to this? And and even and, and now there are more and more companies like us around the world that give very easy access and uh, usability. This is the key. But to to open it up for an even broader audience. It's a lot of education in a few clicks, uh, explain the, the main things, and then you get uh, much more into it. And, uh, otherwise, you would just have 
a huge amount of text economics and you were just like okay never mind i it's that's not for me that's too complicated so um yeah this is this is very important to do both things it seems like you both have taken uh you know crypto and, and bitcoin uh education more of like a like a moral life goal you know almost like a a uh what what wakes you up in the morning a, a guiding post a uh, basically what I'm trying to say is I interview hundreds of, of CEOs on, on this show and it always comes down to like what, what motivates people, right? So most people are motivated by money and that's fine. When you're a CEO, it's great to be motivated by money. You have shareholders. Great. But it seems like just talking to you guys very briefly, only six minutes already, it seems like it's a little bit bigger. And so when you spent millions of dollars on advertising and billboards where you don't even mention your company name, and I guess you're okay with people the first time, maybe they're buying Bitcoin from your competitor, but I guess you're okay with that because as long as they're entering the ecosystem, you think they'll come back to you. And that's a very good way to like belief system, right? I can tell you by far most, really by far, far most of our customers um, come from word of mouth from the user experience in Europe. So, I mean, um, your, most of your, your listeners won't, won't know us because we're not active in the US. Um, but in, in, in Europe and you're into crypto, you probably know us. Um, if you're and, Europe and you're not into crypto, you already know, they, people know you because- Yeah, I mean, I mean we, uh, to be honest, we started very, very late with uh, marketing. Usually it's FinTech or in general startups is uh, they, from early on, they spend a lot of money and resources into promising, branding, da, 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 so over-promising. We did the exact opposite. We built a, uh, we, we were completely bootstrapped and we built the product the product the product the product and we trusted and that worked very very well that the customer had a user experience they wanted to go into bitcoin found us had a good user experience and then they automatically tell tell your uh, tell their friends because this is not a hobby like collecting stems or somebody you don't bring up you know yeah um once you discovered bitcoin there is nearly a hundred percent chance guarantee you tell other people about what you just discovered and when you then have someone uh, found someone's a company that kept all the promises and it worked very well in a very complicated to topic that has a lot of trust issues and it's money is involved then you're good to go and now at a certain size um, we have right now uh, we're we're starting to investing into branding and, and marketing so we went the opposite road you you guys are retail. And what I mean by that is yeah. you are buy, you are interfacing, you are B2C. You're interfacing with the retail customer who's buying, uh, I'm assuming, not millions of dollars worth of Bitcoin a day per, per person. What I'm getting at is a lot of the news outlets, a lot of the media are going to the exchanges and saying, are people buying Bitcoin, coronavirus, like what's going on? <laughs> and I'm saying to myself, how would the exchanges know? So I'm, I'm going to ask yeah. you, you're... We're, we're talking now, it's March 27th, and I usually don't like to say the dates, but for posterity, as I'm releasing these episodes, it's March 27th. Uh, right now, the, the epicenter of, the, of, the, of COVID-19 is, is Italy, Spain, France, you know, uh, um, Austria has been largely been, been good in their response. Um, but are people buying Bitcoin? Are people buying crypto, safe haven? Like, tell us your number, like not the specifics, but what are the numbers of the day? Yeah. Like pre, what are the difference? What are the differences you're seeing now versus pre COVID-19 as it relates to your business? Give us those insights if you can. I mean, in, in Europe and I mean, in the whole world right now, businesses are struggling. And this is uh, something that the whole financial industry sees that really the people themselves are feeling this is a, a major crisis. There, there's no reason to downplay this. And we are one of the really few companies who are not doing bad right now. We actually moved our whole operations to home office, to remote work. People are very still very productive. We can all finish our plans. Our volumes are actually on a, on a level of uh, the 2017 Bitcoin bubble. So wow. right now we are posting record numbers. The, the signups look amazing. So basically, the activity on the platform is like three times uh, that of before this whole Corona 
virus happened. So this is something we are not taking uh, like for granted. We we know that we are in a very yeah, privileged situation right now, and this is also something that that we can use to continue giving people very good access to the financial markets. Because I mean, you probably saw this. There were a few uh, stockbrokers who had to uh, really problems keeping up the services. Most of the brokers right now are not doing signups anymore because they are completely overwhelmed. And we were able to completely give good access to this. And the numbers are showing this. So people are really buying digital assets right now. And you can see this through pretty much all assets. And people are also increasing the uh, the fiat that they put on our uh, on our broker to really wait for the the next drop. So people are really ready to to go in, and people are already doing this. But even more euros are waiting to be invested into the market. So yeah. even though the price was down, it still is down compared to before. On our side, uh, the retail customers are entering like crazy. Also, also, um, what is also interesting, I think around you can say twice as many buys regarding bitcoin than sells and also uh, and also what is what really exploded to before is our uh, our metals our precious metals insane really insane are people I mean, um, buying precious metals with crypto yes. or with dollars oh interesting um yeah i mean i don't have the stats but mostly mostly with euro um, I, I heard mean, there's an issue of... with supply of gold now, Switzerland locking down. What's going on with that? Yeah, so this is something that we had to figure out in the in the last weeks because most of the big uh, like yeah, suppliers of, of the metal bars, because we are only dealing in very big quantities, obviously, the, they, they are not producing anymore because they, they were ordered by the Swiss government because it's not an essential service to really shut down production. And now the, the, the traders have to source the materials from like China and the US. And so there's right now really a bit of a problem with the supply, but we managed to really stock up before everything uh, stopped being available. So our customers right now don't have to worry about not being able to buy this. But yeah, if, if the supply chain is not working properly in the future, at some point, we don't have stock anymore we can sell. And as we only sell backed gold, 100% backed, um, yeah, if there's no supply, then we can't sell anything. Are you guys um, interfacing with customers, uh, your customer support team? Are they telling you any interesting stories? Are people telling you, uh, like, are you know, because when I used to run BitInstant, uh, I would love to read customer support sometimes. I would get... I would read the emails of some of the customers and they would write sometimes wonderful things, give us insight into like what's going on in the world. And it would be interesting to see. So uh, I'm wondering, like trying to get into the minds of people, are they buying crypto because they're scared? Are they buying it because their friends or, you know, family have told them about it? Um, are they seeing it more of a safe haven? Is it still speculation? How are people viewing the, how are people viewing the Euro as a currency right now? Are people having, are, is there faith in the banking system right now? So, um, in, in general, we, we always uh, get reports from support. And I ran with Eric together the support for nearly three years in the beginning. So, we pretty much were at the source of the, this yeah, information. Yeah, you guys were doing it. Yeah. And uh, so, in, in general, we, we know that our customers, they really believe in crypto. Sure, there's people that like to speculate. They are buying the, the smaller coins. They like to have like big variants. And uh, the volatility is obviously very nice in alternative coins. And so, right now, this, this is shifting a bit because people are really now speculating that the financial markets will crash. They, they are entering gold because they heard somewhere that, yeah, the, the crisis is coming. You need to buy gold to be hedged against this. So I think that there's a bit of fear right now. And Bitcoin and digital currencies and gold especially is really seen as like a safe haven. And people are very thankful that they can get such an easy access because if you're in Europe and you are trying to buy gold right now, good luck. Because banks are not allowed to sell it because it's a physical transactions. All the retailers are charging like 20 or 30 percent 
buying gold at Bitpanda for a half a percent margin, that's the, by far the best thing you you can get right now and they are so thankful that it is still possible right now yeah also also i don't i you know like i don't like interviews and podcasts where you do self advertising all the time and then after after a certain point i just i just quit you know <laughs> as yeah. a listener but i just want to explain how how this is how this is working with the metals it's not paper gold or certificates or by far it's luckily not cfds um so so no gambling um, this is real physical gold, uh, in, completely insured in a high security world in Switzerland. Meaning, let's assume Bitpanda would not exist tomorrow anymore. By what reason soever, or what um, the 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 storage there, they know who owns how much. That means it is your gold. It doesn't matter what happens with the company. So, and and uh, and the thing there is, we took the same learning from crypto and try to give the same um, characteristics. That means you can buy one kilo of gold. You can buy gold for 200,000 euros. You pay 0.1%. But you can buy gold, physical gold, for 10 euros and pay 0.5%. That is unbeatable because when you're right now, let's say in the half a year ago when there was no uh, no such thing as the corona, um, you you would buy one kilo of gold for zero, for for around two percent premium, um, and if you would buy one gram, so like the smallest uh, physical coin you can get here in Austria, then you pay a premium of nearly fifty percent. That is not a that is not an investment anymore. That mm. is like yeah, you know, like uh, like like uh, collecting something, you know. Um, so um, this makes it really accessible uh, for for everyone, and this is our philosophy to make every asset class everything that has value accessible for everyone it doesn't matter how much money you have and this is this is what we're trying to achieve here you, and of course crypto as we all know is uh, the absolute best example for this and i think everybody should have uh, at least some crypto in their in their in their portfolio uh, me personally preferring bitcoin but that's a different topic um but 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 at a certain extent and this is why we also do the educational part most people shouldn't buy more than, let's say, three or five percent of the portfolio into crypto because it's very volatile, and you need to have the right mindset and the and the psychology behind it to cope with it. I would say. You mentioned um, we like our philosophy. Did you guys know each other before starting the company? Yeah, um, yeah, kind of. So we were in the same community, and also to gaming and and and. Uh, and um, at this point, other people said, you know, like you both are into crypto and you both want to do something there. Um, you have different backgrounds. Why don't you get together? You're in the same in the same city. You were or you are at the same university. Yeah. And then other people brought us together. We, you know, like we're Internet kids. Uh, so and then and, and, and then we met physically. We got along very, very well. And it all began like this. You know, this is then a. This is then a natural, natural path we went. But we, we don't have the, the the same opinions on everything. So oh, by is, far not. But but with, with digital currencies, I think this is something where we align pretty well on the long term yeah. view. But this is this is as, as, sorry. This is maybe one of your one of your initial questions uh, you were asking, saying how is it going with two CEOs? That's what I was getting at. I guess my first yeah. question was was why? Because it seems like you have similar opinions but very similar to like a venn diagram you have different opinions and different skill sets yeah uh, and you exactly. different run different aspects of the company so why do you don't see that like very like very rarely do you see almost like a, it's like a unity government right like two ceos why <laughs> and and how is it working i mean it is working exceptionally well and i get this question all the time uh it does from so many different stakeholders so uh, we know each other now for six years, I would say. Uh, we spent more time together than with our partners, um, and uh, it's it's more like a like a I describe it sometimes as a as an old marriage, you know, like like grannies together, uh, arguing with each other but really appreciating each other, loving each other. Um, so uh, we are we are in most topics at the, when when something comes up. Mostly, we don't agree with each other immediately. Actually, we disagree with each other most of the time. 
And then we have established a very, very well, let's say, arguing and discussion uh, culture that we come, that we, that we go through the different aspects um, of each of us and then find a proper solution. The, the, the main point here is, why is it working? There's no ego. There's really no ego involved. So we can be very, I mean, I'm from Northern German, uh, Germany. You, you really talk like, like, like you mean it, you know, like no, no things, uh, no stories around it. You really have a very clear, straight, um, language and that works very, very well between each other. So, um, yeah, it's like, yeah, a, like an old marriage. And the, the thing is, I'm very like logical driven, like I need to see numbers, I need to see facts. I, I can believe in the story, I can believe in like uh, the fantasy of like plans and features and products, but I still need to have some basic information. And Eric is on the like very emotional, like on, on the side where he can say like, you know, this will work because I'm passionate about this, people will be passionate about this. And then we kind of try to find one uh, like common denominator where we like say, yeah, okay, we're very passionate about this, but also there's number indicating that this might work, that this is a product that people are interested in. And then we go this way where it's like oscillating around something until we find a point where we say, all right, let's do it. Both are happy with this. Let's go for it. How many people are um, directly or indirectly employed by the company at this point? I mean, we don't have indirect i wouldn't even know what that means <laughs> but <laughs> i forget but, that in, uh, you have di much different labor laws so when someone works for a company they work for a company unlike here in the u.s you could work for a company and and for 30 years and then never actually be working for that company uh but anyways that's another that's another podcast conversation. i mean i mean from what i would have uh, imagined um, that means maybe sometimes you have like um, contractors or different type of things. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I mean, yeah. For example, sometimes you just need a, uh, very, very quickly some developers or someone or some, uh, consultants or advisors there, they're in the company then for three months or something. Yeah, of course they are not directly, how many, but I don't, I don't have the number for them. How many but people that directly, were yeah, yeah, di directly employed, uh, nearly 200 right now. And we just built a, a new headquarter here in Vienna and we were we're currently expanding it. Um, so we have over 3,000 square meters. I don't know how much this is. That's a lot. That's a lot. That's a huge, um, that's huge. That's a, that's yeah, a lot of space. So, how do you do? I mean, you're going from expanding 200 people in Vienna, new headquarters, congratulations, yeah. and then coronavirus, working from home. Like, how? when did you make these decisions? Like, what? walk us through. I mean, congratulations. Yeah. I don't know. Like, thank you for keeping everyone employed. Like, seriously. Uh, I mean, we're actually, um, current plan is to go to uh, 300 by the end of the year. Um, and the, the Vienna office is built like that or structured like that. It looks good, but uh, we have more the problem of finding the right people at the uh, right time. So we have a huge demand uh, constantly over here. Um, and and I would di directly, we would directly hire 100 people right now if we could find them. Um, so the, the bottleneck is more like finding the right people. Hey, I, and yeah. so if listeners are interested in moving to Vienna and have a, <laughs> an, an understanding of German, but they're willing to learn more, am I sorry? No, 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 no. You don't need to learn German. Oh, really? All right, cool. I mean, I mean, we have uh, 39 different nationalities here. Um, so it's English. Amazing. Um, so how, how do you, okay. So how do you go from, and this is not a question like specifically for, for you guys, but it's more for like any company that had to make this quick change because working from home is not a simple thing as like, okay, everyone go work from home. You have to mm. change your whole management style, the management layer processes. If, if this, then that, you know, like how, like very logical, Paul, right? Like how, if this happens, how do you deal with that? How to deal with HR, management layer, business meetings with multiple people over Skype or over Zoom? How, how do you do it? Like, how, how is it run now? Because you have yeah. 200 people. It's a lot of people. So we, we were very lucky that this didn't happen like one and a half years ago. Because right now we, we were able to establish a, a very nice structure with very, very skilled team leads that uh, really go through all the uh, departments and really have a good grip on, on their people that they have in their team. So 
Right now, nothing much changed but the physical location, I would say. So obviously, it's a big change to not do physical meetups, to not do physical daily stand-ups, to, to do a physical town hall meeting where you talk to all your people. But really, it's now a, we do the same things. We, we have the same communication channels, but they are digital. And for example, we because now it's very hard to actually give a daily update or a weekly update to the people in, in person, because normally in the, in the company, you just see each other all the time. Um, we now have something where I do a, I just recorded it today, actually, uh, a weekly recap where I go through info that the, the team leads are sending me from all departments. And I, I post a, a selfie video pretty much of uh, showing all the updates that happened this week, like a like a state of the nation kind of thing. And then we, everybody still sees our faces. They they really get to know what's happening in the company. And yeah, I mean, right now we, we have to say it, it's, it's going really well. And what, one thing that we also did is uh, for face-to-face -face meetings in the, in, the, um, in the Zoom meetings, for example, or Google Meets, um, we have that everybody has to have the webcam enabled. So you still see each other. You, you still have the, the social interaction going. And I think that's important. Yeah, I think I think it's very important to to continue growing and like it's almost like now is the world's version of like the bear market, right? So we know in crypto during the bear markets to build and to grow, but now the world is kind of going through their version of the bear market where you're not making much money. You have to to use what you got, right? Um, and now they're dealing with it, so it's almost like uh, seasoned, almost like how people in Florida here were so used to hurricane season. So um, it doesn't really, it doesn't really help, you know, it doesn't really uh, affect us as much, although, although it should um, very interestingly enough. Um, but, you, but, but, you know, it is a great chance for, uh, for the whole society to get back together a little bit more, you know, over the past um, decade, uh, especially we, we went through a, let's say, uh, the whole, how do I, how, yeah. how can I describe it? I mean, the whole society, it's got more like either you're that side or that side, especially in the US, you have two sides politically, you know? And, and, um, I think this, uh, with the solidarity, solidarity, the right word, I don't know. Um, you global have traumatic event. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you have a, you can actually see that people start caring for each other again. It doesn't matter, it doesn't matter what you believe in. And, um, and, and this is also a great chance that we get back together more. It doesn't matter, it doesn't matter where you're coming from, what you believe and um, yeah. So it's also a great chance for all of us. And one of the, the things also, this crisis is affecting everybody pretty much the same. Yeah. There, there's no socioeconomic uh, part of the, of the society that's like only those are affected or something. So really everybody is affected and everyone is in this together. And I think this is really, as Eric said, a, a chance to really see how do we cope with something on, on a global scale and how, how do we come out of this as better people, as a better society, but also as, as better companies, because you can see it, the financial markets. I'm, I'm investing myself. I was never a fan of people or companies taking out loans to buy back shares. And this was done in such a huge way because from, from a structured way, the law pretty much made it impossible to not do it because it was a very good idea. You get a tax write-off because of the, uh, the interest you're paying for the loans. But on the other hand, you can give a nice return to the shareholders. But those companies had literally zero cash anymore because they bought back all their shares. And now those companies need to be bailed out. So this is also something... I don't think that the post-coronavirus financial markets will be as fragile in, in that sense. I, I hope they will not, but yeah, let's see. And I want to talk about Bitpanda for a second. I mentioned at the beginning of the show that we're working with them and we have been for a few months now. They love me and I love them. So I'm asking that you give them some love and some support, especially if you're listening from Europe. Bitpanda is the leading European platform for investing in digital assets. It doesn't hurt, actually, it helps that they're based out of Austria, which is one of my favorite countries in the world. And Vienna is one of my favorite cities in the world to visit. I try to go as frequently as I can. And, you know, meeting up with the Bitpanda team is always a pleasure. I really like Bitpanda's approach. Why? Well, basically what they're doing is to apply the same tech that we're used to from Bitcoin and apply it to other digitized assets. And 
And I'll explain why. And, and if you check out their website, you'll understand how that actually works because they're really pushing hard for bringing crypto to the masses and, and educate people on the topic. Unlike other companies that just want to really give love to their customers, Bitpanda is giving love and, and, and spending money on mass adoption, just bringing more people into Bitcoin with their recently launched educational platform. It's not only free, it's called Bitpanda Academy. It's not only free, but you'll actually learn and you'll earn five euro just for taking quizzes on their site. So it's a great way to force you to learn more about Bitcoin. Check them out. Again, they give me love. So I'm asking for you, my listeners, to give them some love. Over the years, I've learned a lot from crypto winters, a lot of the bull and bear markets, and there's a lot of things that I've learned. But one of the most important things that I've learned is that community is one of our strongest assets. It allows us to continue working together and talking to each other during the good times, the bad times, and hopefully not the ugly times. Over the past few months, I've been speaking with the Pepo team. These guys have spent years working with members of the crypto community and learning what we want in social sharing apps. And I'm really excited that Pepo is now one of the sponsors for Untold Stories. Even in the few weeks since they launched Pepo at DevCon, not that long ago, I've seen them make so many improvements like hashtag search based on feedback from people using the app and so many different features that combine the best parts of what we already love, that parts of Instagram, Facebook, Snapchat, but it combines it in a perfect way with such a nice user experience and good security. It combines them so perfectly that it looks like, and it actually was built for the crypto community. You can download the app by going to pepo.com forward slash stories, and you can find me there at Charlie Shrem, the same as my Twitter handle. Well, so that actually leads me to my next question. I saw a tweet the other day that made me think, and it said that any regulation that can be easily like suspended uh, without any like moral or like major lasting issues because of coronavirus. So any regulation that can be like easily suspended because of coronavirus uh, is a regulation that may not, you know, shouldn't have been there, may not have, shouldn't have been there in the first place. So you guys have been following financial regulations from day one, you know, working very, very closely with the Austrian and Vienna government uh, and the EU uh, government at the same time. How do you see this changing? Do you see the financial markets being extremely different, like regulatory wise. So I'd like to hear both that, your answers too, if possible. That, that's, that's a problem right now that I see is you can have 99% of legit companies. You can have good acting CEOs and really awesome companies. And they are all, they don't need the regulation because they know what, what is good for their, uh, how to treat their employees, how to, uh, handle certain financial situations and everything, how to not scam your uh, like your stakeholders. So, but then you still have the 1% who will instantly pounce on, on situations where you can exploit uh, like regulation. And that's why I think I, I'm not a fan of like strict regulation, not at all, but to have some, some very nice basic rules to follow. And especially for, for, if, if it's financial markets where people really have much to lose, like banks, if they uh, really get the, the rights to hold customer funds, there needs to be strict regulation. And I think that the 1% of companies that will do the bad stuff is still worth it to, to have it for the 100% of the others, because I don't think there's man, many ways around this. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> there's, yeah. there's, there's in fact some topics where we both agree from the beginning. So um, there's not much to add here uh, from my side, I would say. What type of departments are you guys hiring in? All, all related to, I'm going back to the hiring question. I'm kidding. <laughs> Yeah, I'm, um, yeah, I think that the hiring part in, in the Corona days is very interesting. I was doing some panels and some interviews and uh, the, the, the questions on hiring and, and people management were like uh, dominating everywhere in every interview uh, these days. Um, yeah, so the hiring part is between, or let's, or let's say, um, sorted between all kind of departments. Definitely dominating the developer part. We're we're definitely a very yeah tech focused company. So we're a tech company, 
And that means uh, most of our resources are going in there and percentage-wise, most of our employees are um, yeah, in the tech field. So, but also in the finance department, in the marketing department, uh, in HR. Uh, if you go through the list, it's online on Bitpanda Career. You, you can find um, jobs everywhere. Eric, you, you lived on container ships while working as a ship's <laughs> mechanic, I read in your yeah. bio. Um, I thought that was an interesting tidbit to be added there. And then I said to myself, you know, it probably taught him to problem solve in extremely high stress environments. Mm. Can you tell me about like that? It just piqued my curiosity. Like, tell me how about that whole that? segment of your I mean, life. I mean, uh, how do you know that this is uh, helping with the stress? I'm assuming because I'm a, I'm, yeah. a, I'm a captain of a boat myself as a hobby. So just yeah. uh, the other day we were boating under a bridge and my steering went out. Um, if anyone knows when a boat's moving very fast and going under a bridge, you lose your steering. It's not very good. How do you deal with that? These type of events teach you how to deal with problem solving in high stress environments. Yeah. So, um, in fact, I, uh, because my, my father, uh, used to be a captain and, uh, and then I, I grew up there at the North sea in Germany. And, um, so there it's not completely unfamiliar to go this career path, to, to study nautical uh, nautics and and, and, uh, and then become a captain and then maybe a pilot afterwards. That was the initial plan. And then I thought, you know, it would be good to do a ship mechanic because you then you understand everything about the ship, you know, the fundamentals, uh, the engine room and everything. And in fact, it was very, very hard time. So two and a half years um, going around the world, but... Uh, I, I mean, I would never do it again. After two months, I knew this wasn't for me. And I used the rest of the two and a half years to think about what I want to do. I uh, still finished it, um, but I got into so many situations that helped me right now. This is, uh, I got into a huge hurricane where it was very, very extreme situations. Um, and it, it's, it's like a city you have to maintain with 20 people and there's always chaos. There's always, so you have to improvise all the time, find solution. You have to build your own tools because sometimes you just don't have the stuff. Uh, yeah, so that really, really, really helped us to, especially in an industry with uh, in the financial industry, FinTech, crypto, where things are, are, are a roller coaster and there is no not even one week where everything runs, uh, where, where, where the sea is, let's say, calm, you know, and everything runs smooth. So uh, that really helped a lot to not lose your mind and to throw away your nerves instantly. And yeah, and then afterwards, I, I studied um, uh, business and, and financial stuff in uh, Vienna and, and London. And uh, yeah, so different path. How That's, did you find out good. about Bitcoin? Oh, over the gaming community, I think, you know, these uh, young internet huge kids. Huge overlap, yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's a huge overlap. You sit in front of the computer all day. Uh, you go through forums, talk about new things, uh, strategies, uh, and so on. And then this is, this is very, very, very heavily related to each other. So this is also the community we found each other in. Um, and that brought, brought Paul and me together. So, uh, yeah, I, I, I think if I would be... 10, 12 years younger than I would probably be professional in whatsoever in the, in the gaming, in the, in the e-gaming. Yeah. Um, yeah. But Paul, you got involved in, in Bitcoin, uh, pretty early on, um, mm -hmm. 2010, 2011, like that. Um, probably even yeah. before me and you, um, I was just, I was just reading some projects you were involved in and it just brought back like memory lane, like, uh, <laughs> NXT and waves and Lisk. Like I, I think I have some old T-shirts with, with like dust on it that says "Lisk" on it, you know. Um, and so, exactly. like, how did you get involved in in the space? So, I mean, it's online anyway, so it's no, True. no need to hide it. I was uh, I was playing poker back then professionally uh, while I was doing my studies in Vienna. I was uh, studying business and. Yeah, and back then, I don't know if you know the, the poker industry, uh, the United States actually froze all major poker sites back yes. then. And they flat out stole all the money. And I think one, uh, some of the funds, I think they gave back like five years later or something. 
And yeah, back then, this was a huge topic in the, in the community. So people were really looking for, hey, how can you actually play with, with high amounts of money? Because if, as a professional poker player, you're actually moving up in limits, so you're playing for more and more money. So the, the, the value at risk, the, the money that you have on the poker sites can actually be quite substantial. And the discussion back then around was, hey, let's use uh, e-wallets, let's use some services where you can actually remove the money daily and then only transfer it back to the site when you actually need it. So kind of like the same discussion that we have right now with exchanges, right? Like, do you want to trade? Then you need the funds there, but you don't want to leave the funds all the time at the exchange that's based in China or whatever because you don't trust them enough. And the solution back then was really to, hey, let's start looking into alternatives that are maybe completely out of the box. And I mean, in 2010, I don't, I don't know when you joined, but in 2010, crypto was not anything that was serious, right? This was just the, the idea back then. You were nearly, it was nearly impossible to actually buy it back then. There was no information really on it. There was like a weird Bitcoin.org website where there was a sheep on it and some, <laughs> some, some other weird stuff like you couldn't really take it seriously. And also, there was only the fantasy back then. And I was by chance really, uh, I was finding this uh, uh, bit, uh, how is it called? A Bitcoin talk. No, yeah, Bitcoin talk forum. And I was, I think, one of the first 10,000 members there. And there they actually went into real detailed discussion in 2010 and 11, where they were saying, hey, all right, Bitcoin is right now nothing serious. It, it's not worth anything. You can't really buy or sell it. Yeah, it was more but for fun. Let, yeah, let's extrapolate it. What happens if... And, and then back then, the, the already the synergies to gold came in. People were saying like, all right, right now people are using gold for safe haven. What happens if 10% uh, of the value wants to move into a, a new uh, blockchain or digital currency? And suddenly it, it was something like, oh, this might actually be something that, uh, that's really long-term and, and super valid because back then it was only one and a half years or something that the blockchain was running without major interruptions. That was not much data, but it was already something because uh, it started to build trust. And then when people started to bring fantasy into this, it was really interesting. And it basically never really, uh, I was never really able to let it go. And uh, back then also I was moving in the, in the way where I said like, hey, yeah, maybe this is something serious, keep keep at it. And then over time, I really went deeper, bought Bitcoin, I went uh, to help projects in that space and really tried to be on the on the information flow because back then it was really, really interesting already before the whole ICO hype and everything, yeah. So you guys came together and Bitpanda's vision and mission uh, is to accelerate the transition to a tokenized world and to provide ownership of all the assets in one place. I guess my, I want this too, and I completely agree with the same vision, but I guess my understanding of this vision can either go two ways. It could go the decentralized way, or it can go the centralized way. And let me explain, and I kind of want to know your both of your thought processes on this. So there's like two, I guess, schools of thought. That's what's happening now. And you have the the stablecoin world that basically wants to go towards the um, using uh, centralized uh, legal means to create stable cryptocurrencies or unstable cryptocurrencies, meaning that you're like tokenizing real estate or you're tokenizing gold uh, and creating a stable coin. And then the recourse is courts, legal, you know, like a, a country's court system. If you need to get your banking, there's that centralized bottleneck and there's pros and cons. Cons are compliance and pros are it, it's easy, it's streamlined. And then you have the other side that says we want to go towards like the maker DAO route. Right. So you have everything has to be decentralized. So tokenizing assets, if you're not doing it in a decentralized way, better to not do it at all. There's that like school of thought. Where do you guys sit on that? So maybe I can start. The, I was following this actually really, really early on. I, I don't know if you remember the early projects like BitUSD. Like from yeah, Bit yeah, yeah. Oh my God, wow. You just... Yeah, and, and there were so many of those projects back then that really had the vision to say like, 
all right, why not make a decentralized uh, mechanism to actually figure out a way to keep a token at a certain price? It can either be like US dollar, euro, whatever, gold. Yeah. And I was really fascinated by the idea. I, I think I wrote like two or three uh, papers for myself back then also because I was thinking about maybe we can do a project in that space in, I think it was 2013 or something. But I really never figured out the way that was not suspect to uh, to a, a shock event, like a, a black swan. And to be honest, to this day, I have not seen a concept that decentrally can work. And I know then people are saying, yeah, but we have a project that is running for two or three years already, like Maker, and uh, that this can't be uh, going down because it's already running three years. Well, what happened two weeks ago, pretty much the whole system went bust and people lost tens of thousands of Ethereum. By and the way, I've been saying, can I, once I, I've sure, been saying sure. that, like your exact answer, exact answer, I've been saying all these ones need to be like stress tested. I've been saying it on this show for a year. And I, and I was telling people that until there's an event where these decentralized stable coins need to be stress tested to their means, to their extent. And if they survive, then I'll put money in. Exactly. And about this, I was very passionate because you can also go to our uh, uh, website, for example, and we, we started to listing uh, stable coins, or let's not call them stable coins because we actually have asset-backed tokens um, listed, USDT and USDC. And we had the chance to list the, the other stable coins that are decentralized. And we actually will, once they actually prove that they can actually survive those events in a mathematically proven way and not the, oh, we have two years of data. Because <laughs> obviously, if a black swan was happening already, then you can just change the system again. And I mean, they will continue to do so. This will be a, a process. And to be honest, I'm 100% sure that at some point, there will be a decentralized system that will make this possible. But it's not there today, not to my knowledge. And I think the same thing goes for the exchanges. Um, you, you, have the, you, you have everything decentralized. And because you mentioned your, you also know NXT, this was actually the first platform currency that actually had a, a decentralized asset exchange. And it was actually much better than the, the current versions because you actually posted your orders on the blockchain. So you didn't have to be online for your order to stay in the system. Because if you think about any uh, decentralized uh, exchange right now, your node needs to be online for a limit order to stay updated. And they solved this in 2014, uh, 14, I think it was. And this was a really cool system. But the problem was that they, they never really went to the next step with marketing, with scaling and everything. So this kind of died down. But the, the ideas are there. I, I really think decentralized exchanges for exchanging of purely decentralized goods will work. And they will have nice interfaces. They will be very nice. There might be problems with regulation because, I mean, the government will not like this, but it will be possible. But on the other hand, everything that is facing real-world assets will need centralized counterparties to, to work efficiently. And sure, you can make... a a proxy system like USDT and say like, hey, I'm on an exchange that doesn't need my identity. I can trade USDT against Bitcoin. This can be completely done decentrally or something. But if you are honest, if you actually want to ever cash out the USDT into USD, you still need a centralized authority. And I think the whole industry is like this. And Bitpanda as a company, we are all about simplicity. If in the future it will be possible to use a decentralized service for the exact same user experience, we are not against it. Eric, what do you think? Anything to add? Um, I agree with most parts. Um, the only thing is, I have maybe maybe I'm I don't have the fantasy for it. But um, same topic as we, what we said before. To uh, my approach is always to bring the whole system to the broadest audience to everyone in the world. And uh, currently. My fantasy is very limited when it comes to decentralized exchanges and decentralized services, because you always have to think on the, let's say, people, let, let, think about the client with the least experience. 
And if they don't get someone like a guideline, someone to talk to, someone is responsible if something goes wrong, then uh, you just miss out on the whole mainstream. You, you, then it's just designed for a very limited, uh, for a niche, uh, let's say, um, limited amount of customers. So uh, I think to get into the masses, you always need a fast adapting um, UX focused um, uh, centralized service. And also my biggest concern here, because it's in theory, it's a very, very great idea to have everything decentralized. But the problem is crypto gets more and more under the attention of the regulators and it will become more uh, regulated in the future, like much, much more. This was just the beginning. And I cannot see with any kind of asset, it doesn't matter what, what, what we're talking, crypto or anything else, that, um, that it will get less regulated and they will actually start to allow decentralized, decentralized services. So, um, yeah, um, but maybe, maybe I just uh, don't have. No, no, no. I, I, I agree with both of you. And I guess I want and I, and I see a future where it's like some sort of measure of both, because you're right. Um, in both, in both extents, both you, Eric and, and Paul, um, like the the tether example that that you just gave i'm a good i'm a good example um i can go on a decentralized exchange and buy and sell decentralized usdt tether right but if i want to go and cash that out um because of my background is being in crypto and everything and and because of my my background with 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 the whole prison thing i will probably either fail compliance or like not fail but like pause compliance like two weeks, like my account would need to be paused or frozen for a few weeks while the investigator, or I would not be, you know, if the compliance officer doesn't like me. So here I'm the perfect example of someone who can't access a decentralized stable coin because there's a centralized body mm. that has to say yes or no. As long as you're staying inside your crypto sphere completely, like you, this is the own, let's say, bubble or the own word, um, transfers here and there, that's completely fine. But as soon you start connecting uh, the crypto world uh, with the real economy, I would say, um, where fiat currency is involved, you, you, you instantly um, had to have to deal with a, a centralized service, which means um, AML. Uh, KYC and so on and so on. So and yeah. to be honest, let's not kid ourselves. The software and the, the the programs, the dApps right now in crypto, that's not user friendly. If if I'm thinking just a bit out of my comfort zone, for example, my fiance or something using the service, she is very good with computers and everything. But if she had a problem with one of the services and there's no customer support, there's no no one you can call to reset your password or something, or you have problems with your backup. That's a that's a horrible situation for for investing your real money. People are panicking in those situations, and I completely understand why. This is uh this is not ready for for, for mainstream to to use DApps, and the, the development is there. And I, I think every iteration makes this more realistic that this will happen in the future. But to say like, hey, yeah, it's not a problem to use a decentralized exchange. I myself have trouble doing this because. If I'm not using it for two weeks, then something changed and the layout is different or the note is crashing or something. This is really horrible user experience. You know, a lot of people are saying right now that Bitcoin is not like a safe haven because here we have a perfect example of like a global pandemic where there would be like no asset that would be safe. And here, um, let's use digital gold, Bitcoin, right? And in the beginning, all, all markets dumped, everything dumped, even gold dumped, the whole world dumped. And then now we saw over the past few days, Bitcoin becoming, and crypto, largely crypto, and I'm using it like in the same term here, become uncorrelated and Bitcoin start to like rise again, right? And, and go up and be like an uncorrelated. So now maybe the narrative is changing. But like, let's be honest, guys, like Bitcoin is still like a decade, only 10 years. Um, and so it's largely speculation and utility, but in terms of like the safe haven aspect, in this situation, it's more of like maybe people buying Bitcoin now because if Bitcoin does become a safe haven, it'll be worth a million dollars. So now 
maybe people are buying Bitcoin now for the option of it becoming this safe haven asset down the road. But it shouldn't be a big of an issue if you just have the right mindset of investing. Um, so uh, the the key here is to to have to actually make right now or in the past um, investment decision. You 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 are actually you stay with them. Meaning, if I buy ETFs, if I buy stocks, if I buy crypto, I have an investment horizon of twenty years, and I'm not touching anything. And statistically. That works very well. It doesn't matter if you get every five year or every 10 year uh, something like we're having right now. That doesn't really matter then. But um, to have an investment plan of, let's say, 20 years and you, you buy to invest, not to speculate, and then you panic, then you did everything wrong. You know what I mean? So, but but this is, all, again, the mindset thing of buying um, of buying Bitcoin. It is very volatile and you have to educate yourself what you're getting into. Um, to, back, back to your, your question, Charlie. <laughs> <laughs> no, because I, I think the definition of safe haven, I think, is, uh, is an important one in this case. Because if you think of safe haven, something that is very, very uh, little volatility and where you know that in one year the amount of funds in there will be pretty much the same, then I think Bitcoin and digital currencies will pretty much never go in this direction. And But if you think about it like something, hey, I don't need to worry if everything is pretty much crashing, that this asset will guarantee also be crashing, then it might be a very interesting thing. Because if you think about the financial markets right now, People are worrying about the future. They really think, hey, does this airline even exist in a year? So I, I invested in, in whatever, Lufthansa, for example. And do I even know that Lufthansa will exist in a year? And so you're really thinking, betting on the future. And with digital currency, on the other hand, you're saying like, hey, I know where digital currency will stand in a year because I know there will be X uh, amount of uh, units there the will so much mining happening until then. I, if I believe in the core value proposition of digital currency, then I, I know what will happen with this. But if you are really thinking about an asset that will not be affected by a crisis, I can't give you an example. Because if people are panicking, if people want to have cold, hard cash to actually pay their bills to, to really survive the next months, they, they, they won't care what asset it is. They, they will sell everything. And, and I think this, uh, this crisis really has proven this. So what the are best thing you can now? do? Yeah, what? Uh, the, no, the best thing you can do is to have a proper diversified portfolio. Um, that also means having a little bit of crypto, having ETFs, having, you know, not everything in one basket. Um, I think this is the most, you, this is the best you can prepare for, for a long-term investment plan. And also, your investment plan should not be that you are investing money you need in the next month yeah. if, if you lose your job or yeah. something. Definitely. And I think people are very, very bad money managers. And that's yeah. just because of missing education. But, but you see, everything comes down the path of education. It does. Everything comes down to education, which, which literally brings us back to the first question of, of the show. Um, about going back to that you guys are putting into education and entertainment. But um, on that note, and, and on the note of wrapping it up, um, how can our listeners access your free education and entertainment, uh, Bitpanda Magazine and some of the others, your boards? Um, where should be the first place our listeners should go after listening to this to this show? If you are a beginner, I think I would start with really Bitpanda Academy. Um, it's really, we are, we are starting with the beginner lessons. You, you can go through the lessons. You, you're learning about the basics of crypto. And at the end, there is a small quiz. And there you can really prove to yourself that you're understanding this. It's, it's not an easy quiz. Uh, some experts uh, that, that think they are experts, I think they have only like 15 of 20 questions, right? So maybe, Charlie, you can also <laughs> try to pass it with 20 of 20. And... And if you if you pass the quiz and you're a Bitpanda customer, you also get some free coins uh, for your effort. 
And we are posting now the intermediate lessons, so you can really uh, yeah, go more into detail on, on certain topics. And in general, I, I really think there's some amazing content producers out there. This includes you, Charlie. There's uh, Antonopoulos. There's really on, on YouTube, there's so many really awesome content producers. On, on Twitter, there's so many people you can follow to really stay up to date, read amazing analysis. So really be a bit active in the community. Check out uh, Reddit or Bitcoin. Check out the, the Twitter scene, YouTube. There's some amazing content, but always be be doubtful. Like there's so many people who just want to sell their own product. So don't believe everything you you're listening. I mean, I mean, especially especially do not listen to your neighbor and don't make investment decision yeah. just because someone told you so. Because when someone tells you, "Oh, go into Bitcoin. That's the best thing." I mean, like this is this will skyrocket. This will be yeah. perfect for your financial future. I can guarantee. If your if your if your decision is based on that, um, the next time something like Corona is happening, you're completely freaking out because it wasn't your own decision. Uh, you have no idea what you did. It wasn't done by yourself. Uh, yeah. So it is again self education. Eric and Paul, thank you guys so much for coming on the show today. Bitpanda.com. Super super interesting and. I think I think for the first show with with two people, two guests, I think it was it was pretty good. Wayne, what, what do you think? Good? I think yeah, I could do other I, shows with two people. I think I could do yeah, the same. I like the, I like the format. <laughs> this was the yes. first time, and I think this will be in history as the first show of two people. So yay, making history today. <laughs> yeah. Thank yeah. you guys so much, and uh, yeah, thank you for having us. Please yeah. be safe. Please be safe and healthy. Please. Hey everyone, thanks for listening. New episodes of Untold Stories are released every Tuesday and Thursday at 7 a.m. EST on untoldstories.com, Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcast. Untold Stories is produced by Jason Yanowitz, Michael E. Polito, Reed Hannaford, and Riley Silbert of Blockworks Group. Our account executives are Gina DeFelice and Julie Muroff. Our content is written by Kathy Zolo, Ronnie Tishner, and Scott Offer. Special thanks to Wayne Dallaire from Jump Dog Audio Productions. And of course, I'm your host, Charlie Shrem. You can follow me on Twitter, at Charlie Shrem, to continue the conversation. Send me some messages, feedback, or anything you want to say. And remember, please give some love to my sponsors, and I'll see you next week. Remember, strength in numbers and information is power.